Hello and welcome to a very special episode of GG Weekend Watch, kindly sponsored by Bet UK, because this is day one of the 2023 Cheltenham Festival preview. And I'm going to be previewing all of these races in the company of the brilliant Daryl Carter and Andrew Mount. And if any of the last recent form is anything to go by, we are already set for a fantastic week at Cheltenham because last weekend's show, their Bill Baxter winning at seven to two, tipped up by both Daryl and Andrew. Pay the Piper placed out eleven to four, tipped up by Andrew and Kate. Colonel Mustard placed at six to one, tipped up by and uh, by Daryl. Sorry, as his nap. Giorgio Vasari, fifteen to two, placed tipped up by Andrew as his nap. The big fight won at twelve to one, tipped up by Andrew. Gemeron placed at three to one, tipped up by me as my nap. Donny Boy, twelve to one, placed tipped up by Daryl under supervision at three to one, placed tipped up by Daryl and Matata one at eleven to four, tipped up by Andrew. Very well done, lads. Thank you for making the effort. Are you looking very, very smart indeed? So we better get cracking with day one of the festival because we begin with the one and only, the supreme novices hurdle, this grade one for four year olds and over, over two miles at 1.30, where Fasal Vega still holding on to that favouritism. But the bubble was burst somewhat last time out, Andrew. But what opinion do you have on the opener? Yeah, the Fasal Vega bubble was burst. and uh, But then uh, he's come back in and been really strong in the betting this week. Um, I think well, I did a preview note on Tuesday. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. He was seven to two. He's now around about two to one. Um, I mean, I know he went too hard uh, at the DRF, but to still come home last of the five finishes and be beaten 20 lengths has got to be regarded as massively disappointing. We hear time and time again that, you know, you don't win the Supreme off the back of a defeat. You know, it was LeBake who refused, of course, did, but uh, that's, that's very rare. And I just think, um, I know the Woolly Mullins yard or sort of waxing lyrical about his prospects. He will see a different horse, blah, blah, blah. But uh, not for me at that sort of price. So I, I see no reason why Ilete uh, Tom, his stablemate, can't confirm the form of that DRF victory. I mean, because he's very experienced. This is his second season over hurdles. He was fifth in the Triumph Hurdle last year. Uh, seems to have improved for the switch to more prominent tactics and the hood uh, this season. Uh, so winning twice. Um, in between that, he chased Tom Faso or Vega. Uh, at Leopardstown over Christmas and so comprehensively reversed the form uh, last time out. I was really impressed by that performance, uh, that win over in the pocket. And I, I don't see why he should be such a big prize to confirm the form of his stable mate. So il temps for me. Oh, 13 to 2 then at the current time of recording for il temps So another Willie Mullins source, but not Fasal Vega for Andrew Darrell. Who are you siding with? Yeah, I echo Andrew's thoughts really with, with Fasal Vega. Um, obviously, beating, beating 20 lengths by Ilete Thompson is not his true running. Um, I wouldn't say that he comprehensively reversed the formula in that regard. But it, like, if you go back to that Christmas run where Ilete Thompson finished four lengths behind him, I, th I, th I thought it was a bit of a suspect suspect run, really, because Danny, Mull um, Danny Mullins on Ilete Thompson was looking through his legs behind him. And I was thinking, well, why are you looking through your legs when you just made up ground onto the qu leader's quarters? And I, and I don't know, I just thought that maybe that they were kind of like, it sounds really stupid, but sort of allowing Fasol Vega a freebie out in front for him to go and win his race. I think that Thompson's improved. Um, the slight concern is obviously that the headgear stat for this race that no horse since flown in 1992 is one wearing headgear. So it'd be interesting to see if William Mullins takes the hood off. He was keen as mustard in the triumph last year. I thought he did really, really well in the circumstances there. He's definitely a danger. Um, but I... I, I I can't imagine that Willie Mullins has got it that wrong, that Fasol Vega, that Ilota Thompson is that much of a better horse than Fasol Vega. Obviously, he syndicated this horse out. Um, 
So I do think Elena Thompson is a big danger. The one I've come down on is Marine Nationale. Um, I've flitted back and forward for this race for, for quite some time, but I do have it between those three, Fasal Vega, Marine Nationale and Elena Thompson. Uh, Marine Nationale in the in the Royal Bond, everyone's crabbing the form where he only beat Irish Point ahead. But I would argue that if Marine Nationale would have went to win his race at three out rather than Michael O'Sullivan sitting in a pocket on the rail until the last, he would have won by a street. And I don't think we'd be crabbing the form as much as we are. Now, that race was actually, by the time they got to that three out point, they were seven seconds ahead of Lossy Mouth and the Hatton's Grace field. Uh, they came home much slower, but obviously Michael O'Sullivan was sat on the bridle uh, and he almost came to a standstill at the at the last and then picked up and still picked up Irish Point. I thought it was a good performance. The ground's going to be a big factor on the day, whether I, whether I sort of go and really back him because I think he'll improve for better ground. And I think he's the one you don't have to make too many excuses for. So at, at this stage, with it being good to soft, in my mind, uh, Marine Nationale will be the one. Perfect. And I'm in total agreement about Marine Nationale here as well. I can't understand why people aren't as keen on him as I have been for quite a while now, really. Maybe it's a recency bias as much as anything else, because, I mean, Barry Connell himself, he has been as bullish as a trainer could possibly be about this horse. And he has already said he will win the Supreme. And of course, when someone's that bullish, you tend to take it with a bit of a pinch of salt. But he's been right in every way about this horse so far. And he said, going to the Royal Bond last time out. And he said he will win that. And he did. And I totally agree with you. And Michael O'Sullivan, he is a phenomenal talent. And rarely, rarely does he get anything wrong. I still think the horse got him out of a bit of trouble on that occasion because he had such supreme, comf supreme confidence in the horse going to the last there, where I tend to like to see races won before the last in case they make that mistake. And with a novice, you're always likely that they're going to ever so slightly fluff the last. But they talk I hope about he doesn't do that here, Kate. I hope he doesn't do that here. The same I really, I really, my heart won't be able yeah. to if he does. Yeah, if he leaves it till the last at Cheltenham, goodness me. I think that that was probably enough of a learning curve, though, not to hopefully do that ever again. But they always talk about how much speed this horse has. And I think that's where the confidence came from with him. The fact he sat there on him because he just knows what a notable turn of foot he has so luckily that turn of foot then got him out of trouble and like I say I know people are using Irish Point to bash Marine Nationale with but I like Irish Point I don't I think that he ran a solid race in the Lawless of Nace over uh, over the further trip and last time out then at Leopardstown he just wasn't put into he the race at any stage yeah he just but, he could not have given his run in the, in the DRF like no. the, the, the pace that they went in this in this Royal Bond they it, that just could not have been his true running at the DRF so I would ignore that completely and plus this was the first time that Marine Nationale has been off the bridle so you know he could be open to significant improvement yeah exactly and like you're saying he would have done so much learning from that anyway so he's got the speed we know he battles now hopefully well he does jump well enough he just fluffed that which any novice is entitled to do so so yeah marine national hopefully gets the better ground put away and this has been the uh the target then all over the winter so yeah for marine national for both for daryl and i right we are on to the arthur next there is no better start to a day's racing than the first day of the festival because after the supreme straight onto the grade one arthur novices chase of five rods and over over two miles at 210 now if this race is anything like the irish arthur that we got then this is going to be another Belter, but Daryl, how are you playing the article? I'm really quite strong on um on El Fabiola here. Look, I I, I respect John Bon um as as I have done all season, 
but I just think that El Fabio could be uh, could be a monster. In all honesty, um, but they met at Antry last year. Now everybody's sort of saying that well, John Bond was over the top from the supreme run, and that's that's probably a fair comment. But El Fabiolo was stepping up from a Tremor maiden on heavy ground. He should have gone to the DRF, but was injured in transit on the way there. Didn't have a run for three months. Was hampered twice during the race, and he wore a hood that day. So that was just his second run of his life. So I'm pretty sure he's open to significant improvement. Uh, he won at Punchestown last year, and then he came out of Fairy House on his chase debut, and he clattered a few fences, but he did it in no more than a canter. He was 22 lengths faster than the handicap winner on the card, doing it in a canter. He was rated 131 at that Fairy House debut, chase debut. And then he goes to Leopardstown, wins the deepest novice chase I've seen for a decade in a blistering time, uh, and wins it by 10 lengths. This horse is improved no end from for going over fences. He's only a young horse. He's improved from five to six. So I think he's strengthened. He's a big old unit. The way they talk about him is, you know, the way Daryl Jacob talks about him, breeds confidence in those that want to back him. And uh, I'm not having the fact that people are just sort of crabbing his jump and he made one mistake at the DRF. And it probably would have ended a lesser horse's race. And the pace that they went that day, I cannot see how they could go faster, in all honesty, in here. So for me, I think El Fabiolo ticks all the boxes. He's completely unexposed. There's so much more to come from him. And I think we could be looking at a very, very good horse. Oh, he's currently the 13-8 to 8 joint favourite along with John Bonmafesi having that intertwining form and that you talk about, but not concerned about the jumping then for Daryl for El Fabiolo. Andrew, who are you siding with? I was tempted to go for John Bond because it's easier to say than my fancy, who's uh, Sonwa. Right. Uh, <laughs> if you like. I thought it was a fascinating race, and it's um, I say with John Bond being very short in the anti-post betting most of the winter, it's great to see El Fabiolo sort of blast onto the scene with that impressive win at the DRF. As uh, Daryl's made such a great case for him. I mean, John Bond, he's three from three over fences. He has only beaten a total of six rivals. You know, obviously, tiny fields. I mean, this could cut up. We had four runners in this race, didn't we, a few years ago? Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that again. Didn't like Dysart Dynamo. Didn't, um, you know, didn't um, think he had any prospects of reversing um, DRF form with um, El Fabiolo. So if we're looking for an each-way alternative, as I am, um, Sonwa, who um, ideally likes to come from off the pace in the big field, uh, he unseated, um, you know, it's still in contention too far out to tell what would have happened uh, in the Irish Arc like the DRF. I just thought at the price is nine to one. I'd rather chance him to a few quid each rate uh, rather than back one of the front two. Yep, so going for the value then with Senoir or St. Roy for us absolute commoners. And yeah, I think that's more of a way that I prefer to pronounce it. Right, it is time for the first handicap now in the form of the ultimate handicap chase, a premier handicap for five rods and over, over three mile one at 250. A wide open contest evidently, Andrew. A race right up your street. So who are you siding with? Yeah, this is a cracker. I mean, I'm, I need to do more work on this race, and I need to finalise my selection when I know the ground and the um, you know the, the pace of the race. Um, but I am looking at T Clipper, who was my sort of each way nap of the meeting last year when he got placed in this race. Um, obviously, twelve to one in the end, I think, having been sort of twenty fives a few days earlier, and because that race has you know worked out really well, and received a, a few recent boosts as well with you know Oscar Elite, who was third, and uh, Our Power, who was fifth, winning recently. I mean, T Clipper is a horse who generally does his winning between March and October, ideally on good to soft or quicker ground. 
And um, you know, last year they ran him in races that he couldn't win to give him experience over fences, uh, graded contests on soft ground, and he picked up loads of prize money despite you know finishing third or four or whatever it was in, in one or two of those. You know, this year they put him over hurdles last time in the uh, behind champ. He got beaten out of sight, but uh, he picked up a few quid for his troubles. That would have kept him ticking over. He's had a nice break. He goes really well when fresh. And uh, it's just a case of how soft the ground is. If um, you know they get the worst of the um, forecast rain, it could be you know soft, heavy in places on Tuesday. It could be good to soft, good in places. We just don't know yet. So uh, what what I do in this race will depend uh, on a few other factors that uh, I can't uh, account for yet. But yeah, T Clip is certainly on the radar, as is last year's winner, Corash Rambler. Um, I think my, probably my main fancy or one of my main fancies for the Grand National this year. Um, uh, you know, six pounds higher than we're winning last year, but um, you know, I, I thought he won with a ton in hand. I think he'll equip himself well at Aitri. The weights are out now for Aitri, so it doesn't matter what he does here. Um, but again, he's sort of seven to one, fifteen to two, something like that. So there's no sort of um, you know great um, you know, advantage in uh, in backing him now. And Cloudy Glen, I was interested in. He's got some great record, uh, great form at this time of year. He was uh, runner up in the Kim Muir two years ago at thirty three to one uh, behind Mount Ida. And uh, this season, we didn't see him until uh, reappearing at um, Haydock last month when he ran third uh, behind Stablemate Quick Wave. You know, that run was probably needed. And you just look at the uh, you know, the colours he carries and who trains and um, you know, Finish Williams does so well in the staying handicap chases at the Chelford Festival. I just thought Cloudy Glen, 22 to 1 or thereabouts, could run a big race as well. But I'll do, go with T Clipper for now. But please do keep an eye on my column um, next week for my final selection in this race. Lovely. I'll give you 20 to 1 about a tea clipper at the minute for best price as well. And then Cloudy Glen, 22, just as a note for him. And then last year's winner, who's the current favourite part of Rambler for the £6 higher mark this time around to try and repeat the feat again. But yeah, as Andrew says, though, do bear in mind with the weather. We are recording this on Thursday the 9th. So obviously we have a lot of time until the Tuesday then of the festival. We had snow yesterday. We've got a lot of rain today. I'm 15 minutes from the track and I'm looking outside my window right now. It is bucketing it down. So the forecast has been changing the whole while. It still remains open to, to any amount of change. So do just bear that in mind. Watch out for the lads, Collins, Daryl, the ultimate. Yeah, me and Andrew are pretty much on the same lines, I think. I like Cloudy Glenn. Put him up last time for, for Haydock. He just travelled so sweetly. I just It did look, for a horse that's got such a good record fresh, it did look like he needed the run. Um, so and, and I did like that Kim Muir formula from last year. So, yeah, he'd be certainly on my radar. And Korak Rambler is the other one I kept coming back to. Um, I just think he's got such a, you can make such a strong case for him. The fact that he won with so much in hand, as Andrew mentioned last year, he came from a mile back in the uh, Coral Trophy and just looked like a well-handicapped horse still. He's six pounds higher, two for two at Cheltenham. He's won third time out for the last two years. Um, he just ticks a lot of boxes. The issue is, is I'm not sure whether I'm going to tip him at his current 15 to two, if he is that on the day, or sort of leave it and then just sort of, back him in running because he's going to need some luck in running to come from the rear of the field. Now, I don't think last year the plan was to be as far back as he was because I think it was a standing start, if you remember, and he sort of he didn't get going with everything else, so he was caught too far back. But I think there's there's loads to come, loads more to come from him, and I would agree with Andrew. I'd, it'd be very much on the top of my shortlist for the Grand National as well. 
Oh, and for the Grand National as well, like say his weight's not going to be affected from however he does in in this race with the big giraffe head on him and his bizarre <laughs> way of racing. But he seems to, it seems to be effective for him. So yeah, like say maybe to back him running because you know that he's going to be held up and he's going to look like he's probably out of touch and then come there rattling home. So both of you two in agreement on a wide open handicap there, which is a good sign for us. And now the brilliant day of racing on day one just keeps on rolling. It is the, one of the big ones there, the champion hurdle at 3.30, four odds and over over two miles and it's constitution hill who just to just to show you can you see that i'm already i'm already <laughs> the only sure thing of the week and i'm so i'm absolutely glory hunting if i jinx him now after getting this done then it's all my fault i can only apologize <laughs> but he has been the short price favorite all season but his you price you remind me of all those people who turned up the track with Corto Star and Denman scarves and then Imperial Commander went and won the Gold Cup. <laughs> the heartbreak of merchandise. I know, isn't it just the way? I, was, I thought you were going to say then to show up your own nails, Andrew, to show what you had then for a second. Oh, it's, it's, it's my toenails, but I don't want to <laughs> Too cold. They're in green and gold stripes on each of his toenails. What a lovely image that is for you to go to war with into the champion hurdle. Right. Constitution Hill, though, he has um he's been a short price favourite all season, but it was obviously his price even more so shortened up then with the most likely challenger and dual defender champion. Honeysuckle hasn't been seen to the same effect this season. But Daryl, from a betting perspective, how are you playing this? Cool, I'm undecided. I mean, obviously, Constitution Hill, I think, wins by a street. So I'm looking at, going to be looking at the distance markets. I'm going to be looking at forecast markets. I'm going to be looking at all about markets. Um, I think there's many ways you can try and play this. I kind of wanted to, if the ground had any soft in the going description, I wanted to place lay or like to move it. Um, I know I know, I know, know he's a popular horse and everybody seems to think he's going to run into the frame. It was an excellent time for you at Wincanton last, last time, but... I, I mean, I don't think that he, I don't think the others in the race, First Street and Nappers Hill, gave their running. I thought Bryony went too hard on Nappers Hill. I thought First Street looked a mess in the parade ring, looked so unfit and just tired that I didn't think um, he he gave his running at all. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination he's genuinely a 17 length better horse than, than First Street. So I think um, the market is sort of over egged that performance. So I'm going to try and get him out of the places if there's any soft in the going description. Um, because I think the Irish couple are, are well ahead of him, but I would like to have a few runners running for me. So um, it will it will all depend on the final field. Uh, but Constitution Hill will win. Um, I think that someone mentioned that the forecast Constitution Hill and State Man would be about even money. So that might be might oh, be a really. Point. Yeah. Geez, that's a, that's not a bad old way to play it. If yeah, if you're getting even money about that forecast, then but yeah, no room for patriotism then with Daryl. So I like to move it place play at this stage. But do watch out again for the weather and the makeup of this race for Daryl Andrew. Who do you like? Yeah, I think um, Constitution Hill is probably a freak of nature and will win quite comfortably. I'm kind of hoping that's the case. Uh, excuse the background noise. That's the snow falling off my office roof as it uh, starts to melt. Um, in, case, in case you can hear that, um, I was thinking this uh, in terms of betting. This might be the kind of race where the second best horse and the third best horse don't finish second and third because they're the ones who try and serve it up to Constitution Hill. Perhaps get in a battle from probably too far out and maybe have their hearts broken and, and finish unplaced. So uh, you know, whether State Man falls into that category or not, um, you know, perhaps. Certainly, I like to move it if he tries to make the running. That could be one who's vulnerable as well, uh, particularly if it is soft and they go around the inside and the inside is not the place to be. It's one of those Cheltenham meetings where you see horses coming wide around the outside on the hurdles track, picking up the pieces late. So I'll be looking at, I mean, if Epitant runs here, 
um, instead of in the mares, which is looking unlikely, admittedly, because of the because of the uh, current betting. Then I thought she could, um, you know, pick up second place. Bear in mind, you get ninety five grand for finishing second in the Champion Hurdle. You get sixty seven grand for winning the mares in a race. I was really hoping Echoes in Rain was going to be diverted here instead of the mares, you know, with a view to being ridden for second place to try and, uh, be a, say, pick up the pieces after the market principles get involved, you know, in a battle. Um, so, you know, others who might fall into that category, certainly not so sleepy as run with credit in this race in the last two years. I think finishing fifth to Honeysuckle both times, or fifth or sixth, around about 100 to one. Uh, if it gets really soft or even heavy, then you know, not so sleepy. We'd better equip the most to handle the ground. And again, he, he can he can be keen. He can go from the front, but uh, he can also come from off the pace. And if, if they just accept that they never, haven't got a prayer of winning the race, particularly in a front-running battle, maybe we can hunt round and try and pick up some place money. So uh, if it was generally soft or, or softer, I would go not so sleepy each way to a few quid. Um, but again, it's another one where you need a bit more work on the day. And hopefully Epiton comes here and goes for that second place prize money. Oh, yeah. I think you might be lucky from the way that they supplement her for the mares. But she is certainly good enough. And that is quite a disparity between the two sets of prize money for winning the mares title comparison to finishing second in the champion. But not so sleepy at this current stage. is 200 to 1. So, yeah, what a way to play that race then. So there definitely are ways to play this race away from Constitution Hill, who we're basically all expecting to win. Some of us are just hoping he's going to win. Um, or else we'll look very, very foolish for the entire rest of the week because these will have three more weeks after the Cheltenham Festival to last until my next nail appointment. But anyway, right now, something we may not have expected at the start of the season, but one of the races of the festival looks like to be the grade one mayor's hurdle for four year olds and over, over two mile four at 410. And it's here where we have Honeysuckle and then the aforementioned previous other champion hurdle winner, Epitont who has been now supplemented for the race, still need to decide where she's going to go. Marie's Rock, will she run here? Will she go for the stayers? But it is fascinating, Andrew. So who are you siding with? Yeah, looking at the latest exchange odds, Marie's Rock is 13 to 1 for this. So it all looks like she's going for the stayers now. So you know, leaving the route open for stablemate Epitant for this. The Epitant you know, is going to have a great chance. Honeysuckle seems a bit harsh to say her powers are on the wane, given that she's won 16 and placed twice from 18 career starts, but uh, she perhaps, you know, is on the wane now at the age of nine and hasn't looked quite the same horse. Um, she won this, of course, in 2020, has won the champion hurdle um, in, in both festivals since then. So she's got a fantastic record of this meeting. She's going to be there or thereabouts, but you'd imagine there'd be perhaps just one a bit younger and a bit more, you know, progressive who might uh, have her legs. Brandy Love, I like, um, ideally needs to go left-handed. Um, on her belated reappearance at Punchestown last time, she jumped out to her left. Uh, I think that will have put a spot on for this, so uh, I'd probably just side with her. Love Envoy is another one whose uh, Racing Post ratings have increased pretty much every time she's hit the track. I think it's eight times out of nine she's improved on her last time out, um, Racing Post rating. Um, so she'd have a good chance for Harry Fry. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good race. I mean, I'm disappointed there aren't quite so many runners because my, my usual tactic in this is to find a horse who's going to be ridden from off the pace to get into the frame at, at a big price. And there's been so many big price horses finish second, third or fourth of this. But it looks like a sort of classier renewal of a smaller field. We're going to get eight runners, perhaps even seven. So uh, I'll go Brandy Love uh, over Epitont uh, and Love Envoy. Cool. Six to one about Brandy Love, who I wanted in the Coral Cup. I wanted her to run in that, but I said, I think she is going to go for the mares, unfortunately. So, but it's going to, going to add to the spectacle of this race, though, Daryl, which, again, as I say, just looks fascinating. 
Yeah, it does. It does look fascinating. I mean, they've still left Honeysuckle in the champion hurdle as well. I know there's only like a 2% chance, but she could come out of here. Marie's Rock could come out of here. He could be left with Epiton and Brandy Love and Echo's Rain at the top of the market. I'm with Brandy Love. Um, I've been with her for most of her career, really. Uh, I thought everything was wrong for her at Punchestown last time. The market vibe, she drifted from odds on out to 13 to 8. I think she even nearly touched 2 to 1 at some at one point. Um, they were desperate to get a run into her, according to reports. Tight right-handed track, inside track at Punchestown was not what she wants, but I thought she travelled well. I thought she jumped a, a less out to her left on this occasion. I thought she showed a bright turn of speed to to, to almost look like she was going to win the race. She traded very short and one, running one to six on, um, and she's going to be £9 better off with Creamsbrook, who finished second in this race last year. I think she'll come on a ton for the run. Uh, she demolished Love Envoy last year at Ferry House, despite going right-handed she's got plenty of improvement to come in my opinion going left-handed slight concern with me is her jumping i must admit um when she comes down to when she came to the last at punches down she put down on paul townend and um you're not going to be able to do that coming down to the last here at cheltenham so she will need to brush up her jumping a bit but for me she's the horse that's on the upward curve and uh, i think she's a cracking each way better six to one um all thereabouts 11 to two uh, i think i would take it now because she's you're going to get non-runner no bet and you could have a couple of defects out of this and may not get three places. You'll get them right now. So back an hour. Yeah, the race, like you say, could very easily cut up. So take advantage of the non-runner money back concession. Six to one, then about Brandy Love. Both of the lads on the Brandy Loving then for the Mayor's Hurdle. <laughs> now we are back in the handicap sphere now with the Boodles Juvenile Handicap Hurdle, otherwise known as the Fred Winter. Four four-year-olds over two miles at 4.50. And it remains a very open race. There are also who you siding with. Yeah, I always try to look for a horse that could perhaps be placed in a triumph hurdle in this race. I'm not a massive, like, I'm not sitting there worried about one or two pounds, really, in the handicap. Um, and that horse for me is Takao, who's been well back to the top of the market. I thought Mark Walsh did a little bit of putting the handbrake on uh, at Leopard's Town at the DRF last time. He just sort of sat there waiting for a for Lossy Mouth and Paul Townend to come past. He must have been thinking, where are they? Uh, so he didn't ride this horse out. I know he's not been the strongest finisher, but he has been being handicapped, in my opinion. I thought his improvement between the last two runs, at least, is quite significant. He jumped so well, very slick over his hurdles. Um, I think he I think he could genuinely place in a triumph hurdle on the basis of that run at the DRF last time. So I think off a mark of 135, top weights have got a great record in this as well, or a very good record, of at least hitting the frame. Think he could go close. Uh, the the interesting one is, or one of the more interesting ones is our bad for Ben Paulin, mm -hmm. who's been really yeah. well backed. I've been on this French. I've been doing the French form for the last couple of days, and um, the French handicap I think is in the region of like one three seven, one three eight. He's obviously off one two six. He was entered in the Grade Two on Trials Day. They only picked him up in January, um, but they decided not to go there. And I wonder if that sort of I wonder if they sort of thought he was going to be well handicapped uh, and sort of left that alone and saved him for this. Ben Paulin's quite a shrewdy. Uh, he was very impressive in France. The time was sort of like middle of the road. It wasn't wasn't much to shout about, but he's very, very interesting for sure. So I might have just have a small cover bet on him. The others that have just crossed my mind over the course of the season have been um, Zanderbad uh, for, for uh, Anthony Martin, but his jumping really let him down last time at uh, Goran and sort of gone off him a bit a little bit his rprs are like 10 pounds below his current official mark so i was sort of leaving him alone uh metamorphosis obviously ran in the race at nace um in that rated novice hurdle which is like a few winners have come from that race and gone into this i think i think that's 
overlooked a bit. That's that's looked into a bit too much. In, in all honesty, it was a pretty slowly run affair. Um, I, I, if he if he was being handicapped, I was sort of wondering why is he sort of being aggressively ridden out of the finish and. I, I didn't quite understand it. Boyka's in there. He's probably overpriced in comparison to Boyka, in all honesty, but I don't know if I could sort of see him winning this. Um, so, yeah, it's sorry, sorry to go on. Uh, to Kyle and uh, probably a cover bet on bad. Mm, and it, may, it makes sense now that you have your sharp dressing. The fact you've been looking back through the French form, the French flair is obviously coming to the fore with the with the dress sense as well, but bad then for, uh, for, a, for a little play. But the main bet would be Takao. He is currently the market leader for the same, well, for in the same colours as last year's winner, Andrew. Who do you like? Yeah, I put up Metamorphosis each way in my GG column earlier this week at 33s and 25s. He's down to 16s now. I'm just watching the replay of that uh, run last time up behind Sir Allen. I don't quite know why Daryl says he's been hard ridden at the finish. He was given a Mickey, uh, take the Mickey ride for me, and it was f first run for the yard. And, um, you know, it's um, it just looked like, a, you know, there's only six runners. How many can we steer up the back of in the early stages? And uh, he's finished full of running in my eyes. And, I mean, you just back any horse in the Fred Winter who's finished 4-4 four, four worse last time out. You've made an absolute fortune over the years. There's two types of Fred Winter. I think we've had 18 runnings of the race now. Uh, I think something like eight of them won last time out in a Class 4 or lower contest. The other uh, nine of them were, um, uh, say, 4-4 four, four worse last time out, quite often in a graded contest, um, you know, that they were never put into at a big price. And uh, only one horse... Uh, it didn't doesn't fit that profile. That was um, the, uh, the the Nichols um, winner who came from France, where I think he'd finished second in his prep run. I mean, horses who ran second or third in Britain last time, Britain or Ireland last time out, naught from 151 in the Fred Winter. That's quite a damning statistic, uh, and that sort of covers quite a few um, you know higher up the market. So I thought, I mean, Paul Nolan's got such a great record in Cheltenham handicaps. He rarely wastes ammunition in these races. He's had 18 handicap runners this century. Um, he's had two winners, 20 to 1, 12 to 1. I mean, nine of the 18 finished in the first six. That's obviously significant if you're getting extra places. You know, one of those six places was 100 to 1 in a field of 20. You might even have got paid on the place part of that bet. Um, so I think Metamorphosis is one of several who obviously fit the profile, uh, but I thought he had a good chance. Sundial was a fascinating one as well. He was 40s into 12s at one stage earlier this week. Uh, a shrewd judge I know who um, did did the uh, the weights I did did the uh, the form after the weights came out early was sort of saying if he gets in the race forty the one is just insulting and so he's he's been well supported, uh, but it, I mean you know you could back every runner in this race over the years and made it made a good profit so you know I'd be avoiding the the head of the market here and uh, it amazes me how every year we get a sh you know people still want to back the favourite the Fred Winter when we've had a whole host of massive prices, um, so yeah be creative look for a hold up horse look for a horse who's you know not shown obviously good recent form perhaps shared was another interested one two from two left-handed he's run about 25 to one won a minor race last time out but uh yeah metamorphous the main play oh metamorphous so a horse that's divided opinion already then he's a 20 to one shot for paul nolan uh but yeah finally you two disagreeing that's what i've been <laughs> wanting for the last few weeks now and we finally got it but uh yes and it, and it has to come in the in the boodles of course as well now the horse who i like because after brazil did me a turn last year and i will continue to go on about that because it was probably my only highlight of last year's festival so i'm aiming for this race again my confidence has been renewed and this time around i really like the chances of sir alan who he's won two of his three hurdle starts he was a decent without being 
an outstanding flat handicapper, but he's already worked his way up to being a smart performer over obstacles. His second behind Blood Destiny in Hurdle debut was really eye-catching, and he proved that was no fluke by winning a punch sound maiden in good style, despite jumping probably just a bit bigger than ideal, really. And then his final qualifying run came at Nacer again. His jumping just it wasn't the quickest as such, but he battled well in the finish. He stayed on strongly. That should hopefully stand him in good stead for Cheltenham. And he looks very fairly treated to my eye on a mark of 1-3-1. So there you go. There's a bit of discrepancy then for you with the Boodle Fred Winter. Now we sign off day one with the Grade 2 National Hunt Challenge Cup Amateur Jockeys Novices Chase. It never gets short of that title, does it? 4-5 groups <laughs> and over, over 3 mile 6, the not quite 4 miler at 5.30, where Gayard de Manil has been a strong favourite for a long time now. But Andrew, how are you playing the race yeah i think um uh, gaylord de manil will win um you know, he's, mm, there you go. He, he's got he's got the experience unlike some of his rivals and he's had eight goes over fences he was third to long Bresse last year in the brown advisory uh he's been unlucky to bump into uh, mighty potter the last couple of times um two five was too sharp for him at the drf when um, went third to that one still ran with great credit looking for all intents and purposes as though that race was used as a trial just to uh, put him spot on for this so you know going up in trip is going to suit him there's, there's a few viable each way alternatives i mean um you know churchstone warriors you know very consistent i think he includes his point to point form he's been in the first uh, three thirteen out of his 14 starts uh chemical energy given gordon elliott's good record in this race uh, marla mission um ramalee's you know you can make solid claims for like the next four in the market is some each way alternatives but i just think Class-wise, Gallard de Manil is probably going to be difficult to be here. The second season novice, Patrick Mullins, probably getting his way then and getting this horse to run here after we were kind of divided for a while, but it just looks like Patrick has just taken this race um, by the mantle and has said that he is running. And, well, yeah, he, he, we're expecting Gallard de Manil to go out and, and to, to win this, really, Daryl, are we? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, his three-mile form reads third in the Brown Advisory, third in the Irish National, and a grade one win. Uh, before that, his longest trip was over two miles six, and he won the Nathaniel Lacey over hurdles. There's no grade one horses in here. I, I mean, people keep knocking him, I suppose, like by saying he's, you know, he's only won one of however many starts, but he's not been running over the correct trip, has he? So um, I think he's rock solid. He's got course experience. That third in the, in the Brand Advisory last year is absolutely rock solid. He's 10, 12 pounds ahead of most of his rivals. He's been lined up for this. Obviously, Patrick Munn has wanted him here all year. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know why people want to try and throw away money trying to take horses like this on when everything's in their, in their favour, really. Uh, in the without market, uh, I'd probably have a look at Mr. Coffee if he oh, runs. Yeah. Um, I know he's a, a pain in the arse and he's a, <laughs> he is. He costs you a fortune. But I thought last year in the um, when he was second to Shambhal, I thought Sam Sam Wade Cohen gave him too cute of, cute of a ride, trying to come there on the bridle with him and then like travelled so well in running he must trade i can't remember what he traded i did have a look i can't remember he must have traded very short in running but and then he just couldn't get going quick enough and Derek o'connor got on really well with him at utoxter he still finished second but i think the step up and trip the the extra six furlongs would definitely suit him he he looks he looks the part he travels like a good horse and uh i think if sam wally Cohen was a bit more aggressive on him last year he might have actually won that uh won that kim Muir. um but he finished second. So, without well, I've, got, I've got the in running info. Do you, want, do you want to guess what price he went last year? Yeah, did he go short? Did he go higher or lower than one point five? Oh, lower. Oh no, I, I don't know. <laughs> go did on, make it interesting. Higher. Go higher. I'll go lower. Go one point six. 
Really? Ah. One point, yeah, 1.6. There you go. Bloody, that's, I backed him last year and you beat me with Shambard. So that's just yeah, bringing terrible memories. Yeah, the pair of us who were on Mr. Coffee and then none that's there on 40 to one shot goes and beats yeah. the pair of us. So, yeah. I mean, he's a great horse to have as a banker in the you know, the exact of a trifecta, I guess, Mr. Coffee, isn't he? Given yeah. those of second places. Yeah, I, I mean, I think like like I don't, in all honesty, I think Marla Mission, who's second favourite, I think he, I don't think he likes Cheltenham really. Beating sixty-one lengths by Chemical Energy, that's that was the basis that people were building Chemical Energy's chance in this race on. Whereas he's already been well beaten. I know it was only a prep run by the Devil's Coachman, but he's been beating thirty-one lengths last time, and it was only three rivals in that Cheltenham run he's had, um, and one of them we've not seen again. Who was the odds-on favourite? He was lukewarm. He was the third. Third favourite in a in a free runner field, so I couldn't really have him. Um, you know, I think Mr. Coffee's got a good good chance of it in the frame and in the without market. I think it'd be a reasonable price. Yeah, let's say with the in the without market, but I think we're all on Gail Domineo to take the world of beating. But there are other ways to play the not quite four miler, the three mile sixer to round off day one. So, Dara, I'll go back to you for your best best or your nap of day one, please. It's pretty difficult because I've got like my strongest opinion is on is on um, the John Bond El, El Fabiolo race, but mm -hmm. I think like in terms of you just want a winner to return to my, I think Gaia de Menil's got to be it. He just ticks all the boxes. Perfect, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, again, you look at the prices, you think uh, John Bond and uh, El Fabiolo like thirteen to eight each, and like you couldn't be certain backing one that the other one's going to you know not run a massive race. Whereas Gaia de Menil at six to five, you think oh. I'd rather take the six to five without a you know thirty to eight shot looking like it's going to trouble me. So I'll go Gallard de Manil as well as the uh, day oh, one nap. Cute, cute for the pair of you two then for your day <laughs> one nap teaming up. I'm not going to further bolster so that to make it a hat trick because I'll go Marine National in the Supreme. He looks a very, very fair price to me. I think he's an absolute star of a horse. So yeah, going to, not going for the Constitution. Uh, yeah, I should have got me black and yellow nails for Marine National. <laughs> right, they are our best bets then. I've, got, I've got a black nail, but it's because I hit myself with a hammer a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, some support that is, right? We're going to have to find what, what horse is wearing all black colours for you then for, for the remainder of the festival so Andrew can show his own support. Right, that's everything from us from day one. Make sure you stay tuned for day two.